We're going to talk to a man today who is a living, breathing piece of civil rights history in Columbus, Georgia. Hang around. You're going to want to for this one. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is the Chuck Williams Show. Welcome in. Our guest today is Reverend Rudy Allen. Reverend Allen, welcome, sir. How you doing? Glad to be here. Doing fine. You're 85 years old, right? um, but you d- I'm sitting here six feet from you, and you don't look 85 to me. How you fe- So you're feeling good? Feeling fine. St- still hitting a little white ball around the golf course? Every chance I get. <laughs> Weather permits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little cold out there today. You've been a pastor in Columbus for how long? A pastor in Columbus for over 50 years. <laughs> Uh, about 50, 60 years, 60 years now. What What was your church? I have, I have pastored four churches in Columbus. What was the most recent the one? First church, the first church. Okay, go ahead, go okay, ahead. The go first ahead. church was Macedonia Baptist Church. It's located on Casita Road now. The second church was Shady Grove Baptist Church, which was on 2nd Avenue and 19th Street. They have moved up on 12th Avenue now. And uh, the third church was the Revelation Missionary Baptist Church that that a group of us organized uh, in 1980. And the fourth church was Canaan Baptist Church. Uh, one of my friends passed that church, and he passed. And he had put in the bylaws of the church that he recommended me to come and serve as interim pastor uh, after his death. And then when I got there, they asked me to be the pastor, and I told them I was too old for that. <laughs> but I did do that for three years. And your daughter, Valerie, now is mm-hmm. the minister at that mm-hmm. church, right? At Revelation. At Revelation. Right. Okay, who's at Canaan now? Um, a fellow named, uh, mm. oh, boy. Uh-oh, put you on the spot. <laughs> this is my, my thing now. But anyway, uh, um uh, I, I appointed him pastor. And Did I you? Began, yeah, but he, he's from Oklahoma. We had met, and, and I asked him to come down and do some thing, do a couple of things prior to him becoming pastor. And I, I appointed him pastor uh, Harris. His name is Ronald Harris. You know, it always comes back to you. It just takes a little time to get there. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Five of your seven children followed you into the ministry. Mm-hmm. Is that a point of pride for you? Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's uh, it's very. Um, I'm very thankful, and I'm 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 very proud of them for wanting uh, receiving the call, and uh, and and following in my footsteps. I you know I I, I like them. I, I like them. They're 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 good. They're good pastors. All of them have what I call the pastor's heart. Uh, Valerie, uh, more so than 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 the other uh, four, uh, she really has a pastor's heart. What's the pa- define pastor's heart? Pastor's heart is uh, is someone who really loves and can communicate with people and and has the 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 the, the, the um, concern with the people uh, in their hearts. And uh, someone who uh, who fights for the people, and more than anything else, somebody who loves loves Jesus. 
I listened to the eulogy that uh, Valerie gave uh, last summer for Evelyn Turner Pugh, and it was it was one of the best eulogies I've ever heard. I mean, you could tell she knew Evelyn well, and you know they were sisters in Christ, obviously. Yeah, they and, were. They were close in in the church. They were real close. And, and I mean, and that was a trem- Evelyn's death was a tremendous loss for our. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about you grew up in Columbus. You're a Columbusite, Sp- yep. <laughs> proud Spencerian, yeah. right? Grew up on Fifth Street and Second Avenue. Fifth Street and Second Avenue. The house is still there, owned by Fourth Street Baptist Church. So it was one of those shotgun houses that's right? No, there? no, it's right on the corner of Fourth, Second Avenue and Fifth Street. It's a two story house. Okay, I'm trying uh, to picture it. Mm-hmm. So you grew up downtown? Yeah. What was it like growing up in downtown Columbus in the late 40s and 50s, particularly a segregated downtown Columbus? Yeah. I, uh, it was, it was, it was, you know, when I was growing up, you, you didn't think about uh, being separated uh, in, in my younger years. Now, let me tell you when I first recognized that that was, a difference. It was a a, a, a a fella about my age. His name was Billy Portman, who lived on the other corner. Billy and Gloria, his sister, uh, played with us quite often. And one day, I said to Billy, I was on my side of the street. I said, "Billy, come on over, man. Let's play some ball." Billy said, "Can't come." I said, "You can't come." He said, "No, I can't come." He said, "Well, I." I said, well, I'll come over to your side. He said, no, you can't come over here. I said, what's wrong, Billy? He said, Dad, I said, we can't play anymore. Billy was white. Right. And that... Uh, How old were you when that happened? I was probably seven, eight years old. Yeah. Made no sense to a seven-year-old kid, right? No, no, it didn't make any sense at all. And uh, I wondered for a few years, what was happening, and, and then I began to understand uh, what segregation really was. And, um, and, 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 and I was bothered even by back then. By it. I uh, had another incident, it may not be important, but an, an insurance agent who was white came to the, to the door, knocked on the door, and I answered the door. I might have been about eight or 10 then. And uh, he said something to me, I said, yes. So I got, my sister came to the door, and he said, you need to do something about that boy. She said, what's wrong? With, what's wrong? What's happening? He said, yes to me. She said, that's what we teach him to say. And um, that, that bothered me a little bit. And then in high school, I know, you know, be, really began to notice the separation. Because you went to Spencer. I mean, back then right. there was Spencer. Columbus High, Jordan, mm-hmm. was Baker around at that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. So you had four schools. But, but, but I think Baker. No, 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 no. no. Baker Spencer, wasn't. Jordan, uh, Spencer, Jordan, Columbus, and Ratcliffe. What was is that? Was that the first that was the, precursor the, the, to Carver the County? Yeah, that was the county school. Okay. Uh, Ratcliffe was on Ratcliffe Avenue, uh, right off of Martin Luther King Drive, okay. and. Um, that was a school there, uh, elementary and high school, uh, for African-American children. 
And uh, they merged, finally came to, to Spencer when the, the city expanded. And uh, So Spencer was the black high school. Right. Columbus High mm-hmm. was the flagship high school in the county, right. and then Jordan was the Votech High School. Right. I mean, it was it was very clearly defined by race and socioeconomic, right? Right. right. But the Spencer of '54 and '55, and obviously I wasn't there to see it, but I see it now in the alumni gatherings and some of the stuff. My wife is a '75 Spencer graduate, so okay. I I'm, I get to see some mm-hmm. of that. And that was the, you can tell when it integrated because they'll do the class of the fives and you'll see Dr. Mm-hmm. Wright and them yeah. stand up 55, yeah. 65, stand up all black. And then when 75 stands up, it's a, it's a mixed race class. Mm-hmm. Um, describe the Spencer High School that you went to and graduated from. I love the school. I went there in eighth grade. Um, in 1949, I went to, to Spencer in the eighth grade. They were ha- they had eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh. Uh, kids sure. graduated eleventh after the eleventh grade at Spencer at the time, and then they went to the twelfth grade. My, my class was the last eighth grade class uh, to attend Spencer, and um, you know, you you you're very happy to get to high school. You know, when you're like that, I think I must have been. Maybe 12, 13 years old, and uh, meeting new people. and It was truly a community, wasn't it? it right. It was a community. It, it was, it was, we, we, we cared about each other. We didn't have a whole lot of problems in, in school at that time. Um, when I said problems, I meant between, you know, each other, the fights and the, that kind of thing. But we had... Good time. I was in a band. I was too little to play football or anything <laughs> else. I was, what instrument do you play? I play clarinet. And you want to know why? Why? I do want to know why. I it's play clarinet good. because I uh, noticed uh, before I got in the band, uh, the, the, all the fellas with the big instruments, uh, their girls were, girlfriends were walking you know, away from them because of the instruments. And I said, I want to have an instrument that I can hold in one hand and my honey in the other. <laughs> so so uh, I, I chose clarinet. <laughs> you and were a pretty smart kid back then, I, weren't you? I was always smart about the girls. <laughs> you know, uh, that was the thing you see now. You see these Spencer Alumni Associations. The people that came out of Spencer in your era and just beyond that are very active in supporting mm-hmm. the school now, supporting the students, the administration there. Is it because they love Spencer? I think it is. I, I think it, that they, they, they want to see Spencer uh, to continue to to thrive, to continue to excel uh, in, uh, in, in every area of, of education and, and, and even in the sports program. You know, we want to see, we want we don't want to have the best. And uh, that's part of the reason. And, and, and another thing, you, you, you become attached. When you were uh, back in the days of segregation, you became attached to the institutions that that uh, molded you, uh, that uh, educated you, the church, uh, uh, 
the playground. I grew up not far from BTW, and uh, I hang out with the, the playground out of BTW. And uh, then when I became a teammate, they did the community center. We just call it the building, you know. Where was that community center? Right there at uh, Fifth Street and uh, uh, Fifth Avenue. It was a building right there, BTW, right, and then the playground. You, if you, if Fifth Avenue ended there. Uh, I mean, the street ended there, and then a couple of blocks over, it uh, continued. But uh, you dead end, not dead end, but you went there, you had to turn right or left. The playground was right in there, and then there the administration building, and on the back side of the administration building was the, the rec center that we called it a rec center. All we could do was play ping pong, play cards, and dance. <laughs> that chuckles, sounds like recreation to ch- me. Yeah, chuckles, chuckles, and we had, you know, from that we had softball teams, uh, had um, other recreation activities there. When when you see the brand-new Spencer High School, it's mm-hmm. a few years old, but you see that new Spencer High School, what do you, what do you see when you see what arguably could be the, the finest school in the county? Yeah, I see that. I uh, I haven't really, you know, made, <laughs> thought about it, thought about what I see there. I, I guess I see... Uh, this, the, the city, or the school board, uh, whomever, trying to catch up. Uh, catch up from what? Catch up from 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 being uh, placed at the bottom of the totem pole. When I went to school, all of my books had either Jordan or Columbus in them. So they were hand me downs. They were hand me downs. Everything seemed to have been hand me down. You know, uh, when I was at Spencer, and we noticed that. You know, we we. we uh, I didn't like it, and um, uh, I, I think that's why I say catching up. Uh, yeah. the, the other school, my my class was the first first graduating class from uh, the school on Shepherd Drive. Uh, we were proud of that, but it still wasn't what we thought it should have been. Uh, and uh, you know, and that was in in 1954 was. When the uh, Supreme Court, that was my graduating year, when the Supreme Court. That was Roe versus. Yeah, Roe. Uh, I mean. Uh, Not Roe. Oh, no. Whoa, whoa. I just, uh, God, I just went Brown versus Board. Brown, Brown versus, versus Board of Education. Roe was right. another. Sorry, yeah, sorry. That was, that was, that was Abortion. Um, but right. That, Brown versus Board of Education. Yeah, Brown versus Board of Education. That's when the Supreme Court uh, ruled on that in favor of Brown. Uh, and. Uh, we became excited, and the reason we became, most of us became excited because we felt that we could go to Columbus or Jordan and uh, and and be equal to you know because we knew we were we we were we were getting we were we were getting good education. Now, one thing about Spencer, we had good teachers who cared about us. I mean, really cared about us to the point that they would, you know, if you if you got into trouble, or if you did some things that you shouldn't be doing or didn't do your lesson, they would go to your parents. They would go go to your parents' house and talk to them about. Were your parents involved at that time? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
But Spencer also had an incredibly proud athletic history. Sure, well. sure. Yeah, Some of the best athletes. That's right. I uh, mean, guys that played that, in the NFL. Yeah, in fact, one year we went un, unbeaten, untied, and unscored upon. But you didn't play Columbus or Jordan, right? Yes, we did, too. You did? We played them on the side of Memorial Stadium. Are you kidding? Side. No, sir. I've I'm never not heard that story. We played them on the side of Memorial Stadium. I know one time. You weren't supposed to play them. No. No, but somehow, they, you know, I don't know whether who got it together. I know the, the kids got it together, but that happened now. I don't know whether it was Jordan or whether it was Columbus High. But we played one of them and beat them to death. <laughs> I've never. I was down at a boys' club. With, you know, we had a boys' club down there yeah. at the time. And a little white house on across from Memorial, right up against the uh the, the, the foul ground fence. So that would have been 53, 54? Or before? Uh, maybe 52. You know? Wow. Maybe 52, 53. I have never, I mean, yeah, I mean I'm mean, i a happened. former sports editor here. Yeah. I've never heard uh, that yeah, story. That happened. That happened right there. I don't think it happened. The, le- the Columbus Ledger and Inquirer didn't Oh, cover. no, they didn't <laughs> know about it. Wouldn't nobody want to, they wouldn't have written about it anyway, probably. Because you can go back and look at those old newspapers from the 50s, mm-hmm. and you don't, you see the Columbus write-ups. You see the Jordan write-ups. Mm-hmm. You don't see much from Spencer. No, no, no. Or you don't see much from South Girard. Yeah. You see Central, but you don't see South mm-hmm. Girard. Do you think a lot of the history of that era's loss because it didn't get properly documented? Basically. Uh, and I think it was systematic. I really do. Organized. Organi- organized uh, uh, segregation, I call it. Uh, that, that's part of, that was part of, 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 of racist South, not publishing what black folk were doing, not uh, keeping an accurate history, you know, of, 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 of our accomplishments. I mean, the most famous person in Columbus, outside of Columbus, was probably Ma Rainey, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, blues singer, um, I mean, in Chicago, Detroit, she went up north, you know, her records... So, but you know, in Columbus, she lived right there off Fifth Avenue. Yeah, I know that was one of my best friends' aunts. Mom Rainey was. Yeah. Do you remember her? Did you no, ever meet I, her? I don't. I don't. Re- I might have met her, but I don't remember. I might have been, you know. But I know we went in the house several times, and he would tell me this is where my aunt lives. Gertrude yeah. Mom Rainey. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Did he tell you what his aunt did? Yeah, he said she was a singer. A blues singer. Uh, they weren't too proud of <laughs> at the time. So, hey, singing the blues. We were, we were, when we were passed by that, we were going to First African Baptist Church. That's where we went to church. Which yeah. was a block or two up. Yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I want to shift gears a little bit. When you left Columbus, you went to Nashville, right? No. Where'd you, where'd you go? I went to Illinois. Okay. And, yeah. what did, and did you go to school in Illinois? Yeah, I went to Wheaton. And Wheaton was a was a, a seminary. No, or it no, was it's a, college. Okay, that's the college that Billy Graham went to. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. And you could you couldn't have gone to a segregated school in, in the South at all, right? You had to go mm-hmm. north. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't go north just to go to Wheaton. 
I, I, I went to Wheaton because I went north. Uh, basically, I went to north to work. My brother was a bricklayer, and he said to me, come on, after I graduated, what you going to do? Well, see, I married right out of high school, and uh, I was working at the sewing machine shop right there at uh, 13th and Broad. Uh, uh, and uh, he said, do you want to come and work with me? Work, work, work up here. He told me, man, we make, at the time, they were making $3.75 an hour. That was a lot of money. Ooh. And he said, uh, you make half of that. You make one, uh, 187 and a half an hour as an apprentice. I want you to come. And that's what I did during the summer. I mean, I did it. I went there during the summer. And then uh, a couple of years later, I, I enrolled at Wheaton. Some, and, of uh, the, some of the, the wealthiest people during that time in the black community were Masons, were brick Masons, right? I guess so. My yep. grandfather was a brick Mason, and uh, believe it or not, he, he had 14 children, and, and some, of them, some of them had died, but he bought every one of them a house and a lot here in Columbus, Georgia. Brick masonry is an incredible skill set, right? I guess so. <laughs> so how long did you do that? I did that from uh, 55 to 60. Okay. And then mm -hmm. you were going to Wheaton? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you and then I left in, in uh, the December of uh, 59 to go to American Baptist in Nashville. And that was the seminary? Yeah. So you went from Columbus into the north that mm -hmm. wasn't as segregated and then back to, or uh, was it segregated? Yeah. It was? Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they it's, it's kind of subtle. You know, you go into a, a place and they usually will sign, we have the right to seat our customers, you know. Uh, we have the right to refuse uh, service. I've gone in several places and stood there for five, ten minutes and nobody ever said Ask me what I wanted, you know. Do you want to order? Of course, there were other places that were not like that. So what was it like when you came back to Nashville in 60? Came back to Nashville, uh, I ran into John Lewis, James Bevel, Bernard Lafayette. We were all at, at the same school. And uh, they were already doing a little protesting when I got there. They were doing some sit-ins, but it really... Grew in the, 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 I went in February. January. These were people that were Dr. King's lieutenants. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Every one of them. And another one that was Paul Brooks. But, but Bevel and Lewis and Lafayette, uh, they were very uh, strong uh, supporters of the civil rights movement. What was the active? I mean, John Lewis obviously uh -huh. died a year ago, yeah. an American icon, mm -hmm. I, I mean, out of Brundage, Pike County, mm -hmm. Alabama. Mm -hmm. What was John Lewis like as a, as a, as a 20, yeah. as a seminary? John was, John was uh, delightful, but very serious. Very concerned about the, the, the plight of black folk, very concerned about the, the nation, um, John uh, was, 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 we used to call him the pious pussycat. <laughs> and, and that was because whenever we went to the, whenever we, we would go to uh, demonstrate, at, uh, especially Sydney, and 
we would all form, you know, group to come back, march back to 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 where we began at at First Baptist Church. Uh, and John would always be on the back of the line, and John would always get beat. We said, John, why don't you stay in the back of the line? I want to protect everybody. I want to be there. I don't want anybody else, but you get hurt. And Brooke said, boy, you better learn how to duck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I started getting back there. And, and, and sure enough, you know, they, you get hit, you get pushed, you get, you know, spit on and all of that. But uh, that's when I caught fire in, in, in Nashville about civil, right, about civil rights. I was always concerned about my not being able to do some things that that white kids were able to so do. So what, had been, what had been festering for more than a decade came out in Nashville. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's interesting. That's Definitely. 1960. That's mm-hmm. the year I was born. Mm-hmm. So that was happening in my lifetime. Yeah. It's hard for people, and we've got two CSU guys yeah. sitting in here. It's mm-hmm. hard for them to understand and comprehend mm-hmm. that you were literally on the front lines of it. Hard for me to comprehend it sometimes, but um, but I, you know, I I wrote my mother a letter sitting in Woolworths, and I was explaining to her <clears throat> why I was there. And I got a, got a return letter. She says, boy, you have to get an education. You're not there to do anything else. And I, you know, we began to communicate. And, and she began to understand. And she knew already, uh, you know, that about segregation, uh, about our she, ability it, it, to, to, to. Do you think you were the generation you know, you look at the John Lewis's, mm-hmm. and your parents obviously tolerated it. They they did the best they could in a lot yeah. of situations. Mm-hmm. Are y'all the ones that just finally had a belly full of it and said it ain't going to happen? I think so. Uh, I remember. I don't know whether it was Lewis or Bevel, and he just passed by me and said, "Hey, man, you going to you going to sit in today?" I said. Uh, I don't know, I might. And he said, come on, man, sit in with us. And uh, I said, man, I'm, I'm, I don't care nothing about the white folk. I don't want to be around them. Now, and I'm sure not going to be nonviolent. I'm not going to let them beat me up. And and uh, Lewis started talking. He came by and said, Alan, come on, let's go. Let's go, let's go sit in. And I said, I'm pondering about that, John. So John grabbed my arm and said, come on, we're going on. We want you to take us down. I'm. I was one of the few that had a car. <laughs> and, uh, oh wow! So I had, I drove down there, and uh, you know we were going. There. Th- things were weren't so bad at first, you know, and and and, and sitting in. Uh, when you talk about sitting in, mm-hmm. you're talking about sitting in on lunch counters. Yeah, where uh-huh. you were not mm-hmm. welcome, and they right. they right. told you to get the hell out of there. Exactly. Wow. Mm-hmm. What was that like to sit at a lunch counter at Woolworth or a lunch counter at somewhere in downtown Nashville where you weren't welcome and all of a sudden there's this confrontation? It wasn't a whole lot of confrontation in terms of physical confrontation. They would curse, they would 
you know, call you, you need a blackbird, uh, you know, whatever. And um, that was basically the way it was at first. And then later on, it got kind of rough. They started putting cigarettes out on our backs. And, and we went to... Um, That's physical. Yeah, yeah, they got physical. We went to... Uh, um, what's the name? Crystal. The hamburger place? Yeah, the hamburger place. It, it, I think it's, it, it's based in Chattanooga. It is, way, it is. Yeah. We went to Crystal, and they had put guards at the door. And we couldn't go in, so we had been there a couple of nights, and this particular night, I think it was Paul Brooks who said, we're going in tonight. I said, man, you think we can? He said, yeah, we're going in tonight. Said, as soon as somebody go in there and they open that door, we're going to hit that door. And we hit it. Boom. And, 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 and sat down and everybody left. In fact, they closed the place. When they closed the place, it was in the winter. They turned the air conditioner on. They threw mop water on us. Uh they fumig- I mean, uh, mop ex- water. Yeah, mop water. Dirty mop water. Yeah, on the counter. Yeah. Then they they uh, exterminated the place. They had automatic place. They sprayed for bugs or whatever. They turned that on. And then we looked out of the window, and there were some white guys out there. That looked like they had knives, like machetes. They weren't that quite that big. But you talking about glad to go to jail? We were glad to go to jail that night. You'd rather do that than have walked out of that parking lot. Yes, sir. We were ready for the police to come. <laughs> How many times did you go to jail? Uh, three times, two in Nashville, once here. What'd you go to jail for here? The bus, uh, riding on the front of the seat of the bus. What year would that have been? 1961. So you came out of Nashville and you came back home with that same spirit. I came back home. I was getting ready to go on the Freedom Ride. The bus had been burned in Anniston, yep. uh, um, Anniston, Alabama. And we were forming a, another group to ride the bus in sympathy uh, for them and then uh, to continue what they started. And uh, when it was time for me to get on the bus, I said, I don't think I'm going. I'm going home and get something started. That's when I came to Columbus and got some college, Bethlehem College students. And we got together, discussed what we were going to do. And we discovered that, that somebody had talked to the city about integrating the buses. And we discovered that the city didn't own the bus line. Who owned the bus Roy line? Roy Martin. The movie theater guy? Yes, sir. Wow. I didn't know that. Roy Martin owned, owned that. And I, I, I had a chance to talk to him in Nashville. He had three theaters in Nashville. And Martin, all, Martin Theaters littered the yeah, South. But yeah, but all Martin, all Roy was interested in was money. <laughs> you know, after we rode the bus and put it in jail, then we rode it again because you know the people, some of the duck, black adults, were saying, "Well, we got a case," and I said, "Man, it'll take you ten years to get this case to the Supreme Court. We're going to ride this bus again. We're going to get this done here. All we want you to do is do what you need to do in terms of." Of, of our arrest and, you know, seeing that we treated right and then getting us out of jail and we want to get out of jail. Does the 85-year-old Rudy Allen look mm-hmm. back at this and go, man, I was a pioneer. I was there 
Why? I mean, it would seem natural to do that, Reverend. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't even think about that too much anymore. I don't think about the those events. I think about the state of our country. I think about you know some things that are still not right. You know what's not I'm what's concerned. not right right now in your mind? What's not the biggest right? thing? I think there's not well economics. Economics. You don't think there's economic justice? You know it's not. No, it never has been. And I'm going to tell you something: that everything that happens in America is about money, man. I mean, everything is about money. I remember. Did you learn that from Roy Martin? Hmm? Did you learn that lesson from Roy Martin? Yeah, because he said to us in Nashville, and he said to us in Columbus, if I integrate the buses and the white folks stop riding, I want you to fill them up. Did you? About money. No, because white folks didn't stop. Didn't have to. We had people in the theater. We had, had black people in the theaters, uh, you know, three, four weeks before we started uh, uh, lining up to get tickets at the theater. When you look at race relations all around us mm-hmm. in communities, mm-hmm. Atlanta was the city too busy to hate. Yeah. Um, it spawned Dr. King. But you look, Montgomery, incredibly violent. Yes, sir. Albany. Bad issues bad down issues in Albany. Down Macon. Mm-hmm. Bad issues in mm-hmm. Macon. Columbus never reached that point, or at least history tells us it didn't. I mean, you may it have didn't. a different view. No, it didn't reach that point. Why? Uh, number one, Fort Benning. Was that our buffer to racism? Or was that our buffer from a worse situation? I'll ask it that way. Yeah, because they didn't want... You know, Fort Benning was the heart of Columbus and economically, you know, all of the, the soldiers there and they, you know, and spending money here and living here, buying here. And uh, and I don't know whether somebody whispered to somebody downtown or not, but uh, I think they said, we aren't tolerating this. We aren't going to tolerate it. Uh, and then we had, we had good conversation here in Columbus. You were part of those conversations yes, as sir, you began, the, when you mm-hmm. began your your pastoring mm-hmm. here and stuff. Yeah. There were there were black and white leaders that taught the cross racial lines here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, but, but even before then, with the buses, you know, that was before I came back to pastor. Uh, we were, you know, we, we were we were talking because right, right after the buses integrated, the lunch counters integrated, and the theaters integrated, and we were talking. I went to. The, the first person, well, we had a little test where we sent the black couple and the white couple to to uh, to theater, you know, see how it was going. It went well. I went to Dr. Flowers and his wife. And me and my wife went to went to uh, Georgia, I think. Georgia. The Georgia Theater? Yeah. Down to Rialto or Bradley, one or the other. But uh, <laughs> Do you, were there people in the white community that were allies of y'all's in Columbus? Uh, Is that too strong a word? Yeah, I think that's too strong a word. But we had, we had people. Sympathetic? 
yeah, sympathetic. And I think we had people who were really concerned about Columbus to the point that they wanted to get this thing, uh, you know, get it to an end where it wouldn't be so confrontational in the community. You know, we had burnings and all that stuff, man, and it was pretty confrontational here for a while. Of course, that was later with I mean, Dr. Dr. Brewer was killed here. Yeah. Was, is that, yeah. did I get the name right? Was it Dr. Brewer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A physician was shot mm-hmm. downtown. Yeah, I was in Illinois at the time. Were you? That must have been in 55. Let me ask 56. you. Let me ask you this. So, mm-hmm. Brown versus Board of Education. Mm-hmm. So, you're sitting there all of a sudden in 54, and you got hope that integration is coming. <laughs> you get back to Columbus. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the South didn't integrate until it was forced to. Yeah. Ironically, it was your your kids that were part of that integration. Mm-hmm. Your, your Rudy's your oldest son, right? Yeah. Rudy, uh, for people that don't know, Rudy's a minister. Rudy mm-hmm. was a great athlete, first black quarterback mm-hmm. at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rudy was one of the first to integrate public schools. He also integrated Little League Baseball in Columbus, Georgia. Yep. Tell me about the story about integrating Little League Baseball. I think that's a fascinating story. Well, I always wanted my kids to experience what they felt they wanted to experience. We were riding by uh, Eastern Little League. Where did Eastern play back then? But on Mars Road. Okay, Mars Road. Yeah, it's still feels still over there. Uh, well, they've upgraded it. But anyway, uh, we passed by there. Rudy said, Daddy. I said, what, boy? <laughs> I want to play ball. I said, you sure you want to play ball? It's okay. So, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. I didn't know. So I went in and the fellow said, what you want? So I'm going to sign my boy up. He jumped up. He turned the table over which he was sitting at, and ran to, I guess, the president of the league. I can't recall his name, but he told him, sign him up. He was a... What year was that? That was in, oh, man. 72? 70, 72, somewhere now? No, there? it was before then. Okay, late 60s? Yeah. Rudy was 12 years old. Let's see. How old's Rudy today? Rudy 60, 65. Okay, so that would, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was around that time. But anyway, 66. But anyway, uh, you know, um, I can't think he had a boy. That the, pr- the president of the league. So yeah, this he's guy- president of the league. He was also, uh, I think, president at uh, Golden Foundry. Okay. I think he was. I'm not sure. One of the foundries here. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, he said, sign him up. So, you know, he signed him up. So when I got back home, uh, I called my, 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 my sister and told her, send the boys, send your boys down to little, Eastern Little League. <laughs> they signing us up, but you know. And uh, they had problems at uh, South Columbus. I, I was passing Shady Grove at the time, and uh, I had a member there whose son went to, took his son to sign up. They wouldn't sign him up. We talked to uh, the... Um, United Way head, uh, boy, I can't think of him now. But anyway, he's a lawyer. But anyway, we. Um, so who picked Rudy? What, what coach? Oh, uh, believe it or not, it was. Y'all wrote for the ledger. Paul Cox. Paul Cox. 
Paul Cox and Paul Cox had a son that played on the team, and uh, Paul Cox was the one who he didn't he didn't care. He just knew he had a no, ball player. Yes, sir. Because we we went, I, you know, I would always go to practice. I was kind of protective of my kids. You know, I wanted didn't want nobody jumping jumping on them or anything. So I'd go to practice, and uh, one guy was standing next to me, one of the parents. And I saw he hit a ball out of the outfield to Rudy. Rudy called it. He said, and the fella said, he's good, isn't he? And Paul said, real good. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy who mm-hmm. played college football as a quarterback mm-hmm. in the 70s. I mean, mm-hmm. there weren't many of those. No, I mean, no, 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 no. Did, let me ask you this, and I think you're perfectly positioned to answer this. Through the course of segregation, athletics has played an incredible role in it. I mean, you look at what Jackie Robinson did. Why were athletics at the forefront of integration in many in many many places? Money goes back to that, doesn't it? Goes back to money. Yeah. Explain. Feel it. Saw Jackie play, you know, I mean, they saw Jackie play, sent him to, you know, in the Negro League, sent him to Montreal, brought him to the, to, to, to New York on the Dodgers, stadium's packed. Black folks start spending money in baseball because of Jackie Robinson. Black folks start going to NFL team games and NBA games because of, uh, Jim of, Brown. of, 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 of money. I mean, because of, of black athletes, money. They found out that our money was just as green as theirs. Did you ever see Henry Aaron when he came yeah, through the I South Atlantic? Yeah, I saw him. I went down to Golden Park. I saw him play several times. And the, the strange thing about it, uh, Henry Aaron had to live in a room right up the street from me. Wouldn't let him live in the hotel. He and Felix Manti, it was three of them. Felix Mantilla. And Horace. Horace Garner. Horace Garner was, the, he was the enforcer, right? Yeah. He was the boy that just could throw a ball from home plate across the center field fence. <laughs> but, you know, when Aaron, you saw Aaron yeah. before he became yeah. arguably, in my mind, the greatest mm-hmm. baseball player of all time. What kind of pride was it to sit in the stands at Golden Park in, in 1954 and watch this black guy from Mobile play baseball, not even realizing you're watching who was going to be the one of the right. best? And we, we knew he was going to be a great ball player. As he was tearing that thing up, he was getting <laughs> that ball down here and in Jacksonville. But we were segregated at Golden Park. We had to. Where did the blacks sit at Golden on Park? On the left field line, the left field line. We would fill it up. They finally gave us a, a little space in the grandstand after we started filling up that other little bleacher section. Money, yeah, money, 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 money. We filled it up. We filled it up. I could. We could go forever. Oh on this. yeah. We could. Oh man, God, you, you're you're just such a valuable piece of history, oh, man, sir. Great. Talk about where we are today. We've got our issues in Columbus. We've got incredible crime issues here. Yeah. We've got a lot of black on black crime. Oh yeah. When you see what's happening in Columbus today, what does it do to your heart? Oh, it breaks my heart. Uh, I, I hate to. 
see that. But then I, I look around and see what's happening to these youngsters in 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 in, in, uh, in Columbus socially and economically, even spiritually. It's it, it, it's heartbreaking. Why have gangs? It. Why have gangs become such an attra- attractive alternative for for low pov- for poverty? I, I think basically it's fractured families. A lot of kids don't have fathers in the home, and then if, you know, and and that's that, that's a real problem. A woman can't raise a boy. Hard for a woman to raise. Some people will hear that and think that's a sexist statement. No, it's not a sexist statement. It's not. It's just uh, ladies are not equipped. Never been equipped to raise to, to raise sons. Do you think boys need male role models? Yes, sir. But terribly bad. They terribly bad. They need role models, uh, and 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 it's hard to get them to understand that now. Uh, Sometimes I think we we. When we try to reach them, we wait too late. We don't reach them. They're gone by the time. Yeah, you they're gone. They're, they're gone. Why do sixteen-year-olds feel that the best way? I mean, your generation, even my generation, mm-hmm. we had disputes and we would punch each other. We would have a fight and mm-hmm. then we would oh, sit there. All and, right, yeah. and then I'll be over. Now they pull out a gun and it's. I don't know. I, I, you know, that's. I don't know what's what's happening, Chuck, with that. I, I'm. I don't. I just don't know. I, I, I ponder about it. I pray about it. I worry about it. I talk about it. I try to get in, in, in our church. We got had mentors and all of that trying to reach some kids. We just couldn't reach. I don't know why. And, but they, 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 they felt, I guess, a part of something in the game. Do you think that's money too? Because they can I, I go sell, they they can cannot, sell yeah. drugs or yeah, 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 or sell yeah. a stolen firearm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't. Some of them can't get jobs anywhere else. Some of them are uh, undereducated, uh, uh, undertrained. Nothing is um, nothing is um, intentionally thrown their way to make them better than what they are or to help them become better than what they are. It's just, you know, and, and so they get in the gang. They join the gang, and, and, and whatever the leader of the gang tells them to do, that's what they do. That's all the drive-by is. All the drive-by is that they, that's initiation. you you got to kill somebody. you got to shoot somebody. That's, that's what's happening in, now, but most of it is drug-related. And it breaks your heart. Yeah. You get my stuff, you don't pay me, I'm going to kill you. You know. A lot of it's drug-related. I'm good getting into somebody else's territory. It's pathetic. You think we'll get out of it? I believe we can, but it's going to be tough. It's going to take every, every body, you know, every concerned person in Columbus and, 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 and in the United States to get us out of this, it's just not going to happen. It's in a, in a community, you know. Uh, that's y'all's problem. Go sell it. That, that, that's not going to get it. Nope. Well, this has been a fascinating 
uh, conversation. We're at a point now, I didn't tell you on purpose what I'm about to do now. I call it turn the tables. Mm-hmm. I've been asking you questions. <laughs> Throw one my way. Okay. What do you think can bring together the people of Columbus? I mean, north and south. Uh, you know, east and, you know, no west, just east. You know, when I moved here, Macon Road was the Macon-Dixon line. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the dividing point. Um, I think some of that is changing. I mean, I think it's leadership. I think at some point, you know, some of the crime, and I cover a lot of crime mm-hmm. right now, way mm-hmm. more than I want to, mm-hmm. um, have been impacted recently by some of the crime stories. And, you know, goes back to something, and I'm going to paraphrase, but the late, great A.J. McClung used to say we need to talk. We need to work things out. I don't think we work things out very well. And I think I don't think that's not just race, that's socioeconomic. It's certainly politically right now. Right, we're not, right. We're, you not know, working the, we're not working things out. And I think, you know, I don't know when compromise became a dirty word. I mean, you know, a lot of what you were doing in the civil rights movement was compromise. Exactly. You were forcing people that wanted to keep you seg- segregated to compromise, and you did. You did it through economics. You did it through nonviolent protest. You agree with what I just said? Do you agree with yeah, me? Yeah, sure, sure. I think we need we need more people trying to understand the people that aren't like them. On both sides. Uh, Go ahead. Say what you're going to say. I think it's... Doing the, the police problem, you know, what was it, five police units got fired? Yep. Uh, we had a group that met uh, some, of the, some of the big hitters in Columbus. Bill Turner was very... Chamber of Commerce was very instrumental in getting in fact I named every white person on that committee the bill wanted me to, uh, to agree to one person I said no we, we, we can't have him now he, he, so he, you helped pick him yeah but uh, so Bill said well who do you want so I named them and I don't know how we got them now <laughs> you know? but it was AJ McClung and and uh, Margaret Belcher, myself, Flakes, Sydney Battle, uh, Sherry Luck, you don't remember that name, no, do you? I don't. She was uh, representing the Black Panther Party. Whoa. Yeah, she didn't come to one meeting. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Oh, yeah. she, was, she was the one that confronted Bill Turner to talk about those shacks you got black folks. Living in down in Omaha, Georgia, what you gonna do about it? He did something too, didn't he? Oh yeah, he He tried to. He he still got the farm down there. Yep. Uh, Well, you know, yeah, you 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 struck a chord there, Chuck. It has to be a, a concerted effort by people who who can get things done 
to come get get people together. I think that's one of the problems. Most of us, who, those of us who can get things done, won't come together. You well, know, like like the Republicans and the Democrats. We, you know, we're a long ways apart right now. We are. Somebody's getting ready to cover politics. I couldn't agree more. Well, we're at a point now where we need to end this. And golly, okay. I mean, that we could talk. I could literally talk to you for hours. <laughs> um, oh man, you're just you're a fascinating piece of history. Well, you can listen to the Chuck Williams Show and watch it on wrbl.com Tuesday nights from seven to eight. You also can catch it on Apple, Spotify, and iHeart on the podcast sides. And social media, obviously, we are very active on social media. You can get me on Twitter at Chuck Williams. You can get me on Facebook, Chuck Williams, WRBL. And then on Instagram, Chuck Williams, 0999. You know, I want to say this was a Black History Month program. Nah, I mean, forget that. This is a History Month program. Reverend Rudy Allen was there. He's 85 years old. And even though he looks like it now, he's probably not going to be with us forever. And, you know, to sit down and have these conversations are so incredibly valuable to understand it. Reverend Allen, thank you for being here, sir. Thanks for asking me to come, Chuck. Hey, you're a treasure. You've been listening to The Chuck Williams Show. We'll be back next week with another guest.